Thank you for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, scan the QR code right here on your screen. You can also find them on our app. Today we have Pastor Daniel Vanderklok giving us a message entitled, The Survival Guide to the Soul. He's going to be teaching how to escape our past by overcoming the lies we tell ourselves about forgiveness. Let's jump right in. Well, good morning, and I am excited to get to be here this morning. For those who don't know me, I'm Pastor Daniel, and my amazing wife is sitting over there. Uh, and I'm excited for the word today. Uh, there's, I, I thought about it, and I realized I can bring up about any topic, and we can disagree. Like, I, no matter what stance I take on something, someone in here or somebody watching would disagree with me. But I thought of one that I think everyone can agree on. Sometimes life doesn't go the way we want to. Um, and if you disagree with me, we should hang out. Because like, but, but there's this thing that sometimes life doesn't go the way that we want. In fact, sometimes life doesn't go the way that it should. And sometimes this can be really hard. In fact, sometimes the different hurts, uh, pain, abuse, offense, mistakes, and loss that we go through can be a heavy burden. And sometimes when we go through these, got to make sure that the weight doesn't hit the mic back. Hey, some guy warned me. We strap up. You go, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurts and the offenses that I've been through. And we start carrying this, this weight around. And I, and I started looking and thinking, going, how many people, if we could really see, are carrying a bag full of yesterday? How many of us are carrying a bag full of all of the hurts, hang-ups, past failures, and mistakes that we've done, that others have done to us? Are we carrying? And, and how do we go forward? How do we escape from our past? And how do we free our future? And I looked and I saw, I, like, I, I want to look at this. Why, why is it that some people seem to be able to escape it while others are just weighed down? and carrying this burden for years, for decades. And, and I begin to look, and I wanted to take a second before I posted this, I said this, but um, forgiveness is the key to our future. But as soon as I say that, there's a bunch of people who just went, <laughs> And, and, and they prickle because in our world, and I want to I take a moment to look this, this morning at how do we let this go? How is it that it can be so hard to let go? How is it that we can forgive? And why is it that we don't? And I think that it starts that forgiveness is at the center of our faith, but most of us don't understand it. Our culture doesn't understand it. And so our culture teaches a different message. See, our culture says, you know, we live in a culture that's self-centered and work-based society that believes that forgiveness is an insult to the injured. And, and that's the message that we hear from the world. And so you even mention the fact that you'd forgive somebody who did you wrong and they will respond very quickly with, well, they don't deserve it. Which is kind of obvious by the very fact that they need forgiveness. 
But we, we, we get here and we go, but this is what the world teaches. So how could I forgive this person? But it's at the core of our faith. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the amount of perfection that we have achieved, but he offered us his forgiveness by his grace. And there, in Luke 24, 47, Jesus commissions and says that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. And I just begin to go through verses and I could go through verses all morning just on how centered to our faith is forgiveness. And I thought, well, if, if it's so centered, how do we not? And I realized that there's a few lies that people hold on to. There's a few lies that the world tells that we get hung up on. And when we get hung up on them, we get dragging our bag of hurts, mistakes, pain, and failures. And one of these, these first lies, and I bet everyone in here has heard, time heals all wounds. Anyone hear that one? If you didn't, you didn't miss anything. It's a lie. Um, it's a lie physically, it's a lie emotionally, and it's a lie spiritually. Um, and I think one of the, I learned a lesson years ago. See, some wounds get infected. And it's not even about how big the injury is. Infection is a nasty thing. And it can come from a massive gaping wound or surgery, or it can come from something minor. Years ago, we used to take a trip of students to Montana and it was amazing. And we did crazy things. We hiked mountains. And if you get out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of teenagers, they will find stupid things to do where there didn't seem to be anything stupid. And they can take not dangerous things and make them dangerous. Like we're hiking. And then all of a sudden the boys realize that some of the trees are dead. And if it's dead, you can push it over. And so like you've got boys that you're having like, stop, like you can't just push over a tree. You have to look around you and make sure there's not people on the other side. Or they're hiking up a mountain and there's like a boulder and they're like, I can move it. Like, but if you roll it, it goes somewhere. And there were safety things we had to work with. But we, so we're hiking mountains. We're trying not to drop rocks on other people. We're climbing things and, and we're playing like, not just like soccer, but we're playing soccer where the ball is like this big. It was amazing. But you know what our most serious injury turned out to be? A blister. Like, for real, like we did all this crazy stuff and, and there were some bruises and scrapes to show for it. But we had one girl get a blister on her pinky toe. And she ended up in the hospital for over a week because it turned into a staph infection. Anybody, you're like... But it's this teeny little, teeny little blister. But when we let it get infected, that little tiny blister can become a life-threatening issue. And see, what we don't realize is that unforgiveness is an infection. Unforgiveness is an infection. And like on your body, there's a lot of germs and bacteria that would like to cause you problems, but they can't get in while the skin is there. But if the skin has a, um, a cut, a scrape, something that opens it up and gives a doorway to the bacteria or to this virus, to this infection, it can come in and infect your body. 
Unforgiveness is the infection that tries to come through a, a, a trauma, a hurt, or an offense. When we get an opening in our emotional, in our heart, it tries to come in and infect us. But it can seem so small. It can seem like such a minor thing. See, in, in uh, Hebrews 12, 15, it says, see, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. He says, this is gonna start small, but if you let this thing, it will plant itself in you and it will grow into something that defiles not only you, but defiles many. And, and, and as he goes on, it says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. He goes, when you hold on to anger, what we do, it, it's an open door. It's like this cut that you then inserted into a germ-ridden area that you let this thing get inside of you. And a lot of times we can move on and we can think it's okay because on the surface, you don't see anything. On the surface, maybe you see a little bit of redness, but this, this thing about infection is it can brew underneath the surface. And while things look okay on the outside, there's a trauma boiling on the inside. See, uh, almost five years ago, it'll be five years ago in a couple days, my, our daughter was born. We were so excited. It was awesome. And it was like labor went really well and it was amazing. And, and we were so excited. Amanda was healing really, really quick. And we're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then after three weeks, all of a sudden, she just was in pain. Like serious, serious pain. And I go, oh, that's, that's not supposed to be. That's not normal. Call the doctor. And so she like schedules an appointment for their first available slot. And then she's in pain. Then she's in like serious pain. Then she passed out on the way to the bathroom. And then she passed out like three more times. I'm like, forget the appointment this afternoon. We're going to the car. We're going in. You know, we, we go in and, and you're like, what is wrong and they didn't communicate very well at all until like we left the hospital. We were just really annoyed because they were making like drastic things, but not telling us what was happening. And like, she'd be sleeping and they would come wake her up. And she's like, what are they doing? And later we found out, oh, they thought you were dying. Your heart rate dropped so low, they thought you were dying. So they wanted to wake you up to make sure that you were alive. Like, that's kind of a big deal. Like, what is going on? It turns out she had sepsis. There had been an abscess of infection that had been growing inside of her that we didn't realize was there. And when it popped, it began to spread and begin to shut down her organs. And it was this thing that, that's, that's nasty, brewing on the inside that people didn't necessarily see on the outside until it was having a dramatic effect. And so many people think that they're okay because when you look in the mirror, you don't see anything wrong, but on the inside, there's an infection that's brewing. There's an unforgiveness. There's a bitterness. There's a hatred. There's a trauma that they're carrying. And, and I wish I could say it's what happened this week, but I have talked to people and they'll come up to me and they'll, you don't understand what happened to me 20 years ago. Back when I was a kid, this person 
And you're like, you do realize that you get a senior citizen's discount when you go places? When you were a kid was a long time ago. But see, the amount of time between the offense and today doesn't matter. Because if I put it on my back, I can have offense to go. And I can take it with me anywhere I go, everywhere I go, for as long as I go. And in fact, it can continue to hurt me as long as I carry it. And there are so many people who don't understand how you could move on because the hurt and the offense from decade ago are still hurting them today. And, and I, I begin to look, and, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. And those are three all-inclusive statements. Whenever, anything, anyone. And we'd like to go, yeah, but this person did this. This person did. I don't know that I can forgive them because... I know there are people that are listening that are going, but you don't understand what they did to me. They're like, yeah, forgiveness is great for them, but not for this person. You don't understand how they hurt me. You don't understand what they took from me. And it can be so easy to go, yeah, yeah, I know that forgiveness is important, but not this time. And here's what you have to understand. Forgiveness doesn't make it okay. Forgiveness doesn't make it go away. But it stops it from being your defining moment. Forgiveness doesn't make it okay. Forgiveness doesn't make it go away. But it stops it from being your defining moment. Because I've talked to people and they go, you just don't understand. I can't forgive and undo it. You don't understand. If I forgave them, they would think it was okay. Forgiveness doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it disappear. But it's no longer your defining moment because so often we take this offense and we go, this is who I am. This is what happened to me. This is when I was lied about. This is when I was cheated on. This is when I was abused. This is when I was stolen from. This is when I was betrayed. This is when things went wrong. This is when I lost my child. This is when the drunk driver took this person. This is when, and this list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. They go, well, I am. And you've talked to people who like in the first five minutes of meeting them, you discover that they were abused when they were 12. Or you find out that they were, they were fired or that they're mistreated or that, and, and you, the list can just go on. And they're like, hello, my name is, and this is my offense. And it's their defining moment. It's, it's what they, like their whole life is built around. This is who I am. It's become their identity. It's become something, and, and here's this thing. We think it's going to stay in this little pocket where I can be mad at somebody, and I'm going to keep this anger in this beautiful little box. And anytime I see George, I'm going to dump out my box at George full of bitter hatred. And I talk about the importance of forgiveness before you get married. Because people think all the time with marriage, they're like, I have unforgiveness against my mom, my dad, and I'm going to marry you and I'm going to escape them. 
I'm going to escape all of these different hurts and offenses that have been my life when I get married. But it's like going, I'm carrying this quick. Let's get away from my hurt and offense. But if I'm holding on to it, wherever I go, there it is. And see, when this becomes my identity, it also becomes my filter. And so this is what happens. I warn people, I said, if you hold for unforgiveness, let's just say the girl's holding unforgiveness against her dad and her dad may have been awful. And her dad may have done a lot of really bad things. But we're going to just say on his list of 100 major offenses, one of them occurred in his disrespect for his wife and that he would never communicate when he was going to be late for work, for home from work and then he would do different dumb things while he was not coming home when he was supposed to. And she gets married, but she's still holding on to the bag of unforgiveness against her dad. But then while they're married, lo and behold, her great husband, who's her knight in shining armor, stays late for work and forgets to call. And all of a sudden, she goes, wait a second. I remember this. That's in my bag. And he gets home and she's like, here. Huh. And she like throws this at him. And he's like, what is this? I can't believe you. Da, 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 da. And she just rips into him and he's like, what is going on? You're just like my dad. He just instantly became guilty of 25 years of offense. He achieved it with one lack of a phone call. Because she's holding on to this. And it's robbing her every day because she's carrying the pain of yesterday into the future of tomorrow. When yesterday was meant to be buried yesterday. See, Jesus wants to make you a new creation. He wants to set you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But if we put this inside, it comes out and it comes out everywhere. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8, it says, Don't be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. If we hold on to this, this just like cooks underneath that surface. It's that infection that becomes sensitive and tender to the touch and becomes aggravated easily. I remember years ago, we got done mountain biking with my brother and we, we, we pack up and when we're packing up, we see this lady who just showed up and she gets her bike off of the top of her car and she grabs, opens the trunk to get out the front tire to put on her bike and she realizes she forgot her front tire at home. So she had driven, I don't know how far, out to go mountain biking with no front tire. And so she gets upset. She slams the door, puts the bike back up and she takes off just before we do. And we're going down the road, but she's driving relatively slow. And so we just passed her and we go past her and she flicks us off. And we started like kind of chuckling because it really, because at first you're like, why are you flicking us off? You're going 45 and a 55, we're passing you. But she really wasn't mad at us. She was mad at her and we just happened to be there. But this is the case for so many people is they're mad at somebody at work and they go home and they yell at their family. They're mad at somebody who hasn't even, they haven't even seen in years and they're taking it out on everybody who's close. 
Because when I get bitter, here's my hope. My, my hope is that this bitter toxin that I'm carrying will spill out, will overflow on the person that I'm angry with. But do you know who I don't want to spend time with? The person I'm angry with. If I am overflowing with something, who's it going to get on? Me. And who else? Whoever I love enough to bring close. So who's the last person to get affected? My intended target. Who's the first person to get affected? Myself and everyone I care about. And so it actually works backwards and brings immense amount of destruction. But we get this idea that I want, but I want them to earn it. You can't earn forgiveness. We're looking for scales, but that's not how it works. I can't earn an undo. I cannot earn and unsay that. I can't earn and undo that. I can't earn and undrink and drive. I can't earn and unaccidentally kill somebody. I can't unearn a abuse. I can't unearn. There, there's nothing that they could do. And if we're waiting for them to do something to earn forgiveness, it will never happen. And they will keep moving on in life and I will be trapped with the past. And no matter how much time goes by, if I'm waiting for them to earn it, they go free while I live in bondage. And so often we're like, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just going to imprison them. And, and we set up this prison in our heart, but we don't realize that the bars that are between us are the bars that surround us. And we are the one inside the cell that we build. And it becomes such a destruction when we let this be in our life. Um, people go, but there's this myth that if I forgive you, I have to trust you. But that hinges upon you getting your life straight before I forgive you. If I acknowledge that I'm going to forgive somebody, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. If I go to a banker, let's just talk about this with a bank, and a bank says, you owe us a bunch of money. And it is obvious that you are not going to pay us. And for whatever reason, they decide they're going to forgive your debt. Would that be great? Yes. And if you're confused, the answer is yes. But forgiving your debt means you no longer have to pay this debt. But does it mean they're going to give you another loan? And that's where a lot of people hang up. Is they go, I couldn't forgive you because I, don't, I can't trust you. Trust is different. Trust has to be earned. But forgiveness needs to be granted. And that's something that we have to understand. Because if I refuse to grant it, I remain the prisoner. I, be, I remain carrying it. And, and it's both a decision and a journey. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says, Lord, how often shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times, seven. 
This is per day. And uh, a while back, Ted, I'm checking his spot because he's normally over here. All right. But Ted, he, he said it this way. He goes, sometimes it's that many offenses and sometimes we have to keep forgiving the same offense that many times because it keeps coming up in us. And it's a journey. See, forgiveness is a decision and forgiveness is a journey. I remember I was talking to my wife. In fact, I, I brought this back up with my wife yesterday. I said, how did you forgive? Because my wife has been through a lot of things that shouldn't have been. And some different abuse in and amongst it. And, and she went through, and one of the things that she said was she recognized that she didn't have control of what has been, but she wasn't going to let what has been rob what will be. And parking there lets yesterday rob tomorrow. But we, we, you need to understand that there is an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And his goal is to rob, to kill, steal, and destroy, to, to rob you, to rob your future. And he would like to use your past to do it. And she looked and said, Satan will not get another day. And she said, I, I began to pray for this person. She recognized that if this person went on unrepentant, that the devil won. That he had used him and kept using him to kill, steal, and destroy, and it would be a victory for Satan. And she, her prayer began to shift, and she began to pray that he would repent. That God would turn around what Satan had used. And she began to pray for him. And it began to, to do some healing inside of her. As she began to pray, she said she saw him a couple years later at the mall. Didn't go talk to him, but she was surprised by what happened inside. It wasn't the fear. It wasn't the anger. There had been healing because she had taken what she, she could carry and given it to God and said, God, you have your way in this person. God, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to give them to you. And I pray that Satan loses. And it went from putting all of it on this person to recognizing that there is an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy and going, I will not give this victory to the enemy in my life. I'm giving my life to God. And when she gave it, then she gave that person to God to assure that Satan would lose. And being to pray, going, hey, hopefully... Someday, that person will come and apologize to me in heaven. And this shift. But as I begin to look through this, I looked at Paul and he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me. And I begin to look at this forgiveness, at laying this bag down. And I realized that there's a forgiveness that we like to overlook. A lot of times we talk about these people who have done us wrong. A lot of times we look at these different offenses that we're carrying. But you know, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is the one that stares at you in the mirror. We can look and we yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know what I've done. This is where I've 
fail. And Satan tries to use our past, our failures to go, you know what? Well, you are a lying, cheating, murdering, and he'll just list this whole thing and go, God could never use you. You could never amount to anything. God could never use you. You'll never be a good husband. You'll never be a good father. You'll, and he just begins to throw these lies one after the other. And if we're holding on to this, it's like a wide open door going, bring that infection and rob me of my future. And we sit there, but we feel so much guilt and shame And that's what the devil comes to bring with this guilt and shame that he tries to rob, kill, and destroy through it. And I I, I begin to look, and as I was writing this, I just felt like there there are people that are here or watching who have lied, cheated, aborted, abused, killed, murdered, stole, every form of sexual sin, every form of selfishness. And the number of people that you've hurt is more than I can count. And for that, we hurt. And Satan has tried to destroy so many lives, but God wants your life back. What was does not need to be what is. One of of my favorite passages is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. He goes, this is what you were, but that's not who you are. The past that has been doesn't need to be fine, need to define you any longer. You can be a new creation in Christ. You can be washed clean and made new. And we have to receive the forgiveness that God paid the price to give us. And I don't know your story, but I know, but I long for all of us to live free. Whether it's from the hurts and offenses that have been done to us or the hurts and offenses that we have caused. God wants us to live free. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to receive the forgiveness that God offers. We have to be willing to forgive us and to let God take the hurting and the broken and to put it back together. It's such a key thing. In fact, I was debating whether I was going to do this. I want you to confess something with me. I do the seven at sevens all the time. I get really into the habit of closing things out with some confessions. So go ahead and confess this with me. Say, God is faithful to forgive me. He removes my sins as far as the east is from the west. He wants to forgive all my sins. I'm called to forgive others as Christ forgave me. I leave no foothold for the devil. I am quick to forgive. Whenever I pray, I forgive anyone who has done anything against me. I'm an ambassador for Christ. He is making his appeal to others through me. God's power is at work in me. God's grace empowers me to do what I could never do on my own. 
I'm commissioned with the power of God to show his love to the world around me. I will bring the kingdom of God and the gates of hell cannot stop me. Jesus arose from the dead. You believe that in your heart, but you need to receive him as your Lord as well. Uh, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10. It says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice there's two things involved in your salvation. One is believing what Jesus did, that he paid for your sin and he arose from the dead. But the other is receiving him. The Bible says in John's gospel, the first chapter, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. Many people believe the right things, but they've never received him, never given him their heart and their life. Jesus said, you must be born again. And that literally means give him all of your heart and all of your life. So if you're, you, you don't know where you stand with God, you're away from God. You say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be a Christian. I want to go to heaven. I want to live for God. I want to invite you to pray this prayer right now from your heart. Make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone and I'm on my way to heaven in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. You believe he rose from the dead and he is the Lord of your life. I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. Most of you, you can just download it. All the information is right there on your screen. Others, you write us, we will send you that book. And it's full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to thank you for being with us. I want you to know we pray for you, we love you, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives all around the world with the truth of God's Word. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways you can give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. And three, click on the giving icon in our app. When you choose to sow a seed into the kingdom of God, that money might leave your hand, but the blessing that comes from it will stay with you for eternity. We'd love to connect with you. Scan the code on your screen with your smartphone. From there, you can follow us on your favorite platform. Download our app, become a partner, and much more. I pray that today's message will help free your future from any unforgiveness. Be blessed.